Welcome down to my nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. You are listening to Bucks in the Basement. My name's Chris, and Craig here is the biggest Pirates fan you'll ever meet. Let's talk Pirates baseball now. Welcome to Bucks in the Basement. Now I see the changes in this town. They change, they say one thing, but then the next day. Another day, not another week. It's not a week like any other. Your Pirates are 16 and 7. And as of, we're recording now on Monday, 424. This won't be to your ears until Wednesday. So we'll see how the Dodger series starts out. But your Buckos are in first place. And I wanted to bring back somebody who I had talked to. Uh, before things were really getting going and we didn't know what to expect from the season, I'm bringing back Rob Beer Temple from The Athletic, Pirates Beat reporter. Rob, how you doing today, brother? I am busier than I expected to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, there's just been a lot going on with the the record, but I, I want to get to some news that, that broke over the weekend that I wouldn't say was shocking to us, but just when it came out, and that is the Derek Shelton extension and, and kind of the timing of it. I know that Ben Sherrington said that, you know, this is something they had been talking about um, since spring training. But just like it kind of seems it's just like people are like, oh, of course, they'll extend him now. The team's winning. <laughs> yeah, well, I, it, you're right. It, it wasn't really shocking. Um, it's something I'd heard about, you know, that would be a possibility, at least, you know, over the winter. I mean, it was already coming out of last season, talking to some people that were, I'd gotten indications that, that Shelton was very much not on the hot seat that the front office was very happy with the way things were going. Even the, the record didn't immediately show that. And that, you know, he would be given a longer period of time that, that's, you know, to be determined I, or to be announced, I guess, um, how long he got exactly. Um, but he would be given more time to show what he can do with this group of players and, and the kind of the guys in the system. So, when it, it, it started in spring training and, you know, they had uh, some other contract talks they were, <laughs> they were dealing <laughs> with during spring training that maybe weren't quite as fruitful. And uh, Ben, you know, Ben alluded to that in his presser where he said, you know, you got a lot of things going on and it takes you a little time to cross the T's and dot the I's and all that. Um, but the deal was done about a week or so ago, and this, you're right, this was a key thing. They insisted it was purely coincidental <laughs> that they announced it now, but you figure this is the perfect time. I mean, it, you know, the, the club is very much on an upswing. 
folks are very happy. People are buzzing about the Pirates, not just in Pittsburgh, but all over the industry. So, you know, what better way to, to kind of put another little cherry on the way things are going than to announce that Derek Shelton is going to be here at least for a little while longer. I think, uh, you know, I've heard it's not necessarily a, what you might consider a long-term deal. It might just basically be a year to take the lame duck status off of him and to further reassess. Um, is it's you could you know you could speculate maybe that's something to line up his contract with the general manager's contract. A lot of teams do that. They put those those two things kind of in tandem um, to make it easier to assess management if you're assessing all of upper management. So maybe you know maybe Ben has uh, already gotten an extra year and, and you know there was a, a year thrown on top for for Derek as well. And you got to figure what these guys had to deal with since the start of their, their tenure here. I mean, they came in after the season from hell in 2019 and took a, a team on that was just fractured from top to bottom. And then you throw the pandemic on top of it and then a couple hundred lost seasons. And, you know, it, it, it's a little difficult to gauge what Shelton can do because he hasn't really had a normal season with normal players, a normal roster, you know, this is probably the first one. So, you know, we'll see where it goes from here. But I think it was a move that, you know, it, it's good for the organization. There's some stability there. It's important, I think, because Shelton's kind of the guy, he's not just the manager of the, you know, of the, of the everyday lineup and the, and, the, and the bullpen and the rotation, but he kind of sets a tone that dives deep into the organization. He's, you know, he's on the phone with the coaches and, and the player development staff all over the system, you know, every day of the week, monitoring things and, and kind of, you know, helping to set the, the set the system of how they develop guys, how they train them, what the tendencies are offensively, pitching-wise. So it, it's, you know, it's a big role. It's, it's an important role. I think in a lot of ways it's, it's a much, much bigger role than it used to be, you know, back in the day in the 70s or whatever. Um, that there's a lot more responsibility with it now and keeping some stability at the top just at a time when things are appear to be turning around, it's good to do. Yeah, and it's it's different from the days when it, you know you were just the the field general or the or the field manager. That when people were talking about the timing of this, I, I basically went out and said, you know, this is a lot different than you know, the John Russell extension. And and anybody that's been <laughs> yes. around for, for long enough knows that that was they picked up his option, you know, during the winter and then basically chose, I think it was like the <laughs> middle of June to say, oh, yeah, we picked we picked up his year. And then by the end of that yeah. year, he's gone. So this is not, you know, that type of thing. They announced it, like you said, only about a week after it was signed. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, the pirates are still secretive because they won't, you know, get into details, but they're a little bit more. I guess you could say forthcoming. Maybe that might be a term for it, but, uh, you know, it, it's, again, a, a, a good move, not an unexpected move at all. I wrote about it a couple of times over the off season, but I thought this would happen, and, and here we are. Yeah, I think you, I think it was part of your predictions there was that he would get extended at some point in time that we talked about before. Um, but the other thing I wanted to get to, something very cool that happened, the Pirates Hall of Fame class, uh, for 2023 announced uh, the inaugural class was last year. It was a it was a great event. Uh, and so I thought that there was going to be like maybe like, you know, five or six guys I didn't know. But the class of Elroy Face, Bob Friend, Dick Grote, and Kenta Colvey, 
man, that that is just a great Hall of Fame class, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, four very deserving guys um, for for sure. And <laughs> it was funny because that 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 day um, I was, I was you know, working on the story, and I hung up the phone and, and told my wife, if if you would have told fourteen year old me that one day I'd be able to pick up the phone and just shoot the shit with Kentuck Halvey for an hour and a half. Um, 14 year old me would have passed out unconscious because I was, you know, that, was, that was kind of cool. So it was, it was neat to be able to, I, I talked to, to Roy and, and to Teak that day and just to get the perspectives from both of those guys. Cause you know, obviously maybe not so much face, but definitely Jacoby is, is my era of fandom you know, growing up here in, in, in Pittsburgh and to see those guys get some kudos, um, you know, Elroy helped define the role of the closer. I mean, he was a, he was a trailblazer, and he's one of the reasons the save rule was created in the first place. And you know, Antique, somebody I think tweeted at me that he just you know he looked like your you know your what your your fifth grade you know biology teacher or your insurance salesman something like that. I mean, it really did. It was just this skinny, unassuming guy. But he threw a bazillion innings, and you know, including that one that counted to, to get the last out in '79. So, um, but yeah, just just a great class, uh, a good chance to really look back on some of the great ones. I'm curious to see, you know, how it's. I mean, because eventually Barry Bonds is going in. You know, you know it's going to have to happen, and I, I think deservedly so because I think during his time in Pittsburgh, he was maybe the you know, second or third, depends how you want to put like him and, and, and Clemente and Stargell in one, two, three, but for players I saw live, um, you know, he was definitely in that, in that top three and whatever happened after that, when he, you know, that that's a whole different story, but he definitely belongs in the pirates hall. And I'm curious to see how the pirates eventually handle that. If, if they turn, you know, the whole event over to just him, or if he's part of a, a, a four or five man class going in, or or how that's going to work. But um, yes, there's still a lot of great players out there to be inducted over the next you know several years. But uh, they've off they're off to a pretty good start these these past two. Yeah, and seeing you know Bob uh, Friend's widow you know clutching just like a tissue, and how much it meant to her, and how much how much it meant to you know to Steve Blast to like walk into their homes and. The joy in his face to, you know, present that stuff to them was was just absolutely amazing. And I think that fans, they're kind of like looking, okay, like you said, you know, with, with Kent Colvie, you know, that's a guy, I mean, I remember him pitching, but not like very well. And, you know, people, you know, my age, I'm, I'm not that much younger than you, Rob. I mean, but um, trying to see when those people are going to come in. The, the one that kind of surprised me, and I, I just kind of have to put it out there and, and you don't have to comment if you, if you don't want is I, I thought Manny was going to get in this year um, from the man that has sat out at the barbecue stand for the past 22 years back to the, you know, three time all-star and, you know, the, I guess it would be the picture of him and blast after, you know, winning the world series blast jumping in the air. And then also, you know, back to him, you know, strapping on a scuba tank and searching for his friend um that's one where i just i thought this was going to be manny's year and and that's the only one like i it's a great class all deserving but man get manny in next year that's all i'm saying 
Yeah, I could see a class, you know, if they want to, like, make it a little bit of a theme next year, you take Manny and, and maybe uh, Tony Pena. You know, there's uh, an- another great catcher from, from the past year. And you have a couple of catchers, and maybe you go for, you know, a couple of other – maybe a couple other pitchers or well you had three pitchers this year maybe you go for a couple other position players next year this balance i don't know but i i agree with you i think it's uh these guys aren't getting any younger you know and every year you know the, the when they have those reunions for the 79 team and and whatnot the, the group gets a little smaller so you'd like to see these guys honored get the recognition you know while they're still alive and, and here to enjoy it yeah, and I'm thinking of even other announcers too as well. You got Gunner, you got you know Lanny for Terry. There's, that's the thing yeah. is when you have as rich of a history as the Pirates do. I mean, going down to like a, a Hall of Fame class, like it it has to be extremely difficult for everybody that's involved in those uh, conversations. Yeah, that's why I probably if I had done it, uh, I, I probably I think I wrote a column on this a couple of years ago, but I would have started with a class at 21, which just seems like a good number to start with, and um, <laughs> and, and you know and, and bring in a big class right away, and then you have time and ability if you want to go to smaller classes to honor guys who are older and infirm and whatnot. But uh, I think the Milwaukee Brewers when they had their inaugural class of something like 48 players or oh, something, geez. it was a huge group. And again, most of them, you know, had, had already died. Um, but, you know, it was a big, big group and kind of an establishing thing. So, and you wonder too, how the Pirates are going to do it. They have that wall at PNC with the plaques on it, but you know, there's, and it's going to happen quick because you know you got a hundred and however many years of this organization 130 odd years of of, of baseball here there's a lot of guys yeah definitely a lot of guys and and we gotta move forward to to what's going on with these pittsburgh pirates of, of now you know honoring the past but also you know looking towards the future the the one player i when chris and i had talked last week i we said, I said, I want to look to see where Cabrian Hayes is at, at this point, you know, next week. And at this point, I mean, since Cruz has been out, since he's been moved to the leadoff leadoff spot, he's uh, he's slugging like eight fifty six. Uh, I think it's like a one twenty eight WRC plus. Um, always making hard contact with the ball. Um, hitting it to all fields, which is something that, you know, people were thinking he was working on more. Uh, when I was out in St. Louis, I did get to see the absolute, you know, blast that he put out and he pulled. But are you noticing anything different with Cabrian over these, like, past couple weeks? Yeah, it, it seems kind of, you know, fundamental. But I, I And I think Sheltie might have even mentioned it yesterday or the day before that. But he just seems to be on time. Um, you know, there were, there were, there were periods where last, especially last, well, last season or two, whether it was because of injuries or just being in and out of the lineup in the first place or whatever, but he, he just didn't, he was never quite in sync or, you know, and it, and it took him a little while and then something would happen and he would tweak his back or, you know, the wrist again or whatever, and he would lose that. Um, this year he, he really has seemed, even in spring training, was making good, you know, was barreling up a lot of balls, and I think didn't he lead the, the team in home runs during spring training? If he didn't, that. it was close. I mean, he was it, he was yeah, hitting the ball pretty yeah, it was well. Right up there. So, it, you know, it, it's just one of those things. Once you get that knack, um, it can you can ride it, you know, a long a long way. Sometimes you know you you you, you fall off it a little bit. I think we've seen that with Reynolds. 
early on. Everything he was hitting was just stung. Um, ever since Cruz went down, not so much. I don't know if there's a that's probably just coincidental, but you know, it just seems like the past maybe the past couple of games he's kind of been back a little bit. But there was a stretch of you know a week or two there where it just wasn't quite as dominant. That's just you know people mention all the time and it just kind of gets passed off as cliche, but it really is important just to be comfortable in there, to be able to see the ball and then just to, to, to have your timing down with when you begin your swing and, and the mechanics of it, when it's on, it's a beautiful thing. And I think we're seeing a lot of that right now with Kabayat. Yeah, and, and with Brian, he did have uh, back-to-back doubles after going. I think it was like 0 for 12 hitless-wise. I mean, he, he was driving some balls. He was, you know, getting, I think it was like some sack flies and different stuff. But, you know, and he's he's on the bereavement list. So, you know, obviously thoughts and prayers uh, to Brian and his family. Uh, and he's supposed to be back here pretty soon. So we'll see if, you know, the he's he's back at it and back on it again. But there are some guys that that haven't been on it most of the time they've been here in Pittsburgh. Um, so I, I hate to talk about negative stuff when we're doing so well, but is there like anyone that you could see in danger of being sent down to AAA? And then maybe who possibly could come up to replace them? Well, when you look at... at, at... At the, at the team, I mean, it's not even – yeah, I, I mean, I guess you, you need – the areas you need to get better is the front end of that of the bullpen. Uh, and I talked a little bit with Chase DeYoung yesterday. And he was packing his bag to head to uh, Indianapolis to begin a rehab assignment. And he was like, you know, just – he says, I know, I've, I've sucked. It, yeah, I'm not going to – you know, I, I'm aware of it. it, it it's, it's been a, a, a bad start to the season for me. And, I, you know, this really is – more so than the health thing, or maybe, you know, he, he just needs to, have to go down there and get his head right and and kind of get established, so he can kind of maybe you know hang on to his gig up here in Pittsburgh. Um, Kanan Smith and Jigba has been you know been put in a lot of time in the indoor cage before games. Hasn't been playing a ton lately, and you know it's kind of hard to, to get that hitting going whenever you're you know in and out of the lineup or coming off the bench more often than not. You could just, you know, he tell him to look at his face if he's, you know, he's, he's working at it, but he knows he needs, you know, he can't pit, what is he hit, like a buck 67 or whatever. You can't do that and stay in Pittsburgh. You know, they'll, they'll find some other way around it. You know, when, when, when Swaggerty comes off the injured list or maybe he's already off, I, I think he's retroed a bit, so he's probably close to coming off after the illness. And Miguel Andujar has been hitting a ton uh, down in Indy. And, you know, here's a guy that, you know, Lots of big league experience, and they, they they got him for a reason, and they like him, and they, you know, and they hang on to him instead of just cutting him loose. They got him to Indy where they can, you know, get him going and maybe do something there. So I would think those are a couple of guys who are eyeing, you know, potential trips up to Pittsburgh. I'm curious to see how they handle the whole Drew Maggi thing. If, if we walk into the clubhouse on Tuesday and, and Drew's locker is cleaned out or not, um, it would be neat. I'm kind of rooting for him to stay even if it's for just a few other days, just so we can get that big league back, you know? I mean, it's, I talked to him after the game yesterday, and I said, you know, does it, does it kind of put a little, you know, uh, shadow on the, on the whole week, on the whole, on the whole, on the whole day of just coming up and everything, and then not being able to play in the game again? 
And he's like, no, no, it's just, you know, I'm just a piece of what's going on here, and I just want to help the team win. And he said all the right things, but you got to know in his heart, you know, he, he wants to step on the field, you know, when the game's in, 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 in play and, and get his name on baseball ref. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. Or whatever. So, uh, there, you know, there, there's some things that I, I, you know, there's some tweaking they can do to this te- you know, team. I'm, I'm sure there's some things you're looking at. And, um, you know, this will be an interesting few weeks because, you know, the, the competition, they're finally going to face some teams with winning records. Uh, they're gonna finally going to face a team <laughs> with a winning record. <laughs> uh, you, know, the, you know, the Dodgers will be tough. The Nationals, well, there's a little bit of a breather. But then they go to Tampa, which, you know, started the season, what was it, what they started at, like 92-0. and 0. Yeah. And then uh, they, they come back and the, and the Blue Jays are here. And, you know, even the Orioles, you know, a team that they're kind of similar to in some ways. You, they go to Baltimore, Baltimore in a couple of weeks. So, some interesting challenges for sure throughout May. And I think if you know, if we're going to start to see some, in, so maybe some better indications of whether this can continue or not, whether it has some staying power, it's going to come over the next three weeks. I think. Yeah, and I mean to see you know Drew Maggi. I I thought he was going to go in to play the field. Uh, there in the bottom of the ninth on Sunday, I think he took off like his his jacket or something, and I was like, oh man, he's he's gonna get to go in the field and and to see his family. I think they like flew overnight from Arizona or something. So yeah, yeah I mean, definitely do. definitely rooting to actually you know see him playing a game. If you ever see me out and about in Pittsburgh, you will always recognize me. And not just because of the white beard, but also because of the why that is always on top of my head. The hat I always wear. The Yin's brand. Proud partners with Bucks in the Basement. Three dynasties. One brand. Yin's. Finally, one brand to rep all black and gold. Follow at Shop Yin's for new merch drops and giveaways. Order online at WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Z's, high quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. You gave me a good segue there, Robin. You may not have even known it, is that you know, in, in one of your latest mailbags, you, you mentioned the Orioles and everybody was comparing not everybody, but there's a lot of people comparing. Could the Pirates do, you know, and jump ahead the way the Orioles did last season? Um, but somebody asked you in a mailbag, like, you know, how, you know, Ben Charrington would approach uh, the trade deadline if, you know, he was in like a similar position because the the Orioles traded off their closer and they traded off the clubhouse guy and Trey Mancini. And then obviously I just started thinking, I'm like, we've got Santana on a one-year deal. We've got, you know, Vince Velasquez on a one. I'm starting to think of all this stuff. And it's like, I don't know how the pirates are going to approach this. Well, there's so many, there's so many variables, uh, you know, sitting here at the end of April, you know, heck, even a month from now, it's going to be looking through a glass darkly trying to figure out, what uh, Ben may or may not do, 
and it depends where are they you know as they get closer to the, the, the deadline you know how far back or ahead are they what's available on the market or what's not what's the demand like for the guys that they might be offering um do they approach any of those guys about an extension do what happens with brian reynolds is 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 he still you know status quo contract wise and going into year three of arbitration or has he been extended has there been a breakthrough there you know it, it's what, what kind of money would ownership be willing to commit to this endeavor um you know does he have has 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 he spent you know his his budget for the year now and, and that's that i mean under neil huntington that was kind of the way it worked that you know neil had his budget and sometimes he wouldn't make a lot of moves in the winter trying to hedging and you know put a few dollars aside for a rainy day in july or maybe a sunny day in july i guess when he hit the deadline and he would spend it then you know would bob nunning be willing to cough up you know reach a little deeper into his pocket now come up with something just so many variables there so many uncertainties at this point that I don't even know if Ben Sherrington can say for sure what he might do <laughs> in July because it's uh, there's just, just so many things have to line up between now and then. Yeah, and if there's players, we're talking about AAA, if there's players, you know, ready to come up, I mean – with a with like a with a Carlos Santana at first base, I mean you have you know Mason Martin down in Altoona who's been talked about for a few years, you know Malcolm Nunez, but I mean are those guys performing? Is Carlos Santana still performing? Is Vince Velasquez still performing? You know yeah. would they even be tradable? You know at that point in time, but I know that that's what people are thinking because. You know, you see Carlos Santana like leading the dance, little dance shuffle huddle at the end of the thing, and it's like, well, what kind of effect would that have on the clubhouse if he was gone? But I mean, these guys are all professionals; they understand like what kind of contract he's under, and if he would have the opportunity to say go to a contender and possibly win a World Series, you'd kind of have to be happy for him in that right too. I mean, I know Trey Mancini didn't perform well, but Trey Mancini's got a ring now. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Hey, what do you do if, if you're Ben Sherrington and say, you know, like the Philadelphia Phillies, just to pull a name out, come to you at the deadline and, and maybe you're, you know, in the middle of the pack now in the, in the central things have settled a little bit and the Phillies need a piece or two to make a push. They, they need somebody, you know, to, to maybe, maybe split some time. Maybe the Phillies are a bad example because Harper's going to be the H. Maybe there's a club out there with a real chance to win the title and they need a DH. And they need a guy that can they give them a little bit of pop, that can that maybe, maybe play a little outfield from time to time. And if you're in the middle of the pack with the Pirates, does Ben Charrington trade Andrew McCutcheon? Oh, God. Rob, my heart just dropped, dude. You can't do this to me. You threw it in. <laughs> but everybody's thinking about it because I know that, like, I've spoken with a bunch of people. I've spoken with you, spoken with Mackie, Alex Stumpf, all those guys. And it was like, well, man, you know, it would have to be if Andrew said, like, hey, I, I, I know this might not be the year and I'll come back next year, but can you let me go win a championship? I'm got, They want the, you know the team act, but they also want that personal thing of, of everybody you play to win a championship. Any guy that's out there that says they're not, you know, in it to win a world series that they're, they gotta be like talking out both sides of their mouth or something. Cause that you want to win. Sure. Yeah, exactly. So it's, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sticky, you know, situation that, you know, if, 
if you believe, if you're Ben Sheringen and you and you really don't believe, you just look at the team, and even if you know you're maybe a couple of games up, to say, I just, you know, I just don't know if we can sustain. I don't know if we can get this this team into the World Series. And you have an opportunity to send Andrew McCutcheon to a team with a legit chance to win the World Series. For him to get that ring that he's, you know, never gotten in his career, would you? What do you what do you do? And it, it's hard, and it, it, that's why you got to look at just what's good for the team this year. But maybe you also consider what's good for Andrew. Maybe you consider, you know, if we get something legit here, a, a real piece that we could use moving forward. That could, you know, in a sense, kind of be Andrew McCutcheon's legacy. That at first he brought Brian Reynolds, and then he brought Player X, who who helped the Pirates, you know, get over the top in 2025. So. It's it's a fascinating question, and again, who knows where it goes? That's that's kind of the fun, you know. For me, that's the fun thing of this season, the way it's shaping up. That it's not going to be just another, I don't think, slog to a hundred losses. Because that boy, that you know, there's times you think about, you know, just jumping out of your car and the Clemente. Well, the Clemente Bridge is closed now. But if it was <laughs> Rachel open, Carson. Jump out of the car, <laughs> you know, and, but you know, now you have new variables and and new and fascinating storylines um, that we didn't have to think about because we couldn't think about them before. And uh, yeah, it's in, in that sense, we're already a month in. We're already twenty what twenty one games, twenty two games in. But it's uh, been a lot more interesting covering and, and watching this club than than it has been probably since the the great debacle in twenty nineteen. Yeah, and, and this, that was going to be my last question to you, Rob. But I got I got to end on a on a positive note here. Not that that wasn't positive and wasn't great information, but mm-hmm. I was just kind of thinking. I mean, the Pirates are sixteen and seven right now, which is a pretty you know pleasant surprise. Who who or what would you say is like maybe one of the other big surprises to you um, so far during the twenty twenty three season? I'm a little surprised by Vince Velasquez, better than much better than I expected. Um, I mean, I expected some consistency there. I figured he'd be a workhorse, um, but the the strikeouts, I didn't like. You know, what was what did he strike out yesterday? Ten. Uh, yeah. Just it just tore through. It was the Reds, you know. Okay, but he still he tore through that lineup, you know, pretty pretty well. And that, that's two or three starts in a row now after a rough start. I mean, I remember you know at the beginning both he and Rich Hill kind of like lumbered through their first couple of starts and people were like, yeah, you know, let's bring up anybody in the world to pitch yeah. <laughs> you know, other than these guys. But now you're starting to see just the, you know, the, the value of having those guys because they've been able to write themselves and, 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 and kind of get in a rhythm quickly to help keep this rally that the pirates are on going. So that for me has been a very pleasant surprise. Um, you know, I, I've been interested watching Austin Hedges. I spent a lot of time watching him these past few days, um, not just for what he does. You know, well, obviously not for what he does play, but I mean the stuff he does behind the plate and the stuff that I've seen. You know, the stuff that he does. Well, for me, like the other day when he walked up to the to the plate and realized that, that Bednar was still warming up, and and the first you know two batters of the inning had, had made outs on a total of what I think was three pitches. So we kind of like slow-footed it up to the plate and then called time and then worked like a six or seven pitch in at, at bat 
just to kind of extend it. You know, you nobody's thinking he's going to hit a you know a solo homer there or or triple or maybe start a little mini rally. But you just need him to take some pitches and extend the at bat and make sure that Bednar is 100 percent loose out of the bullpen. And that's exactly what he did, and I, I can tell. I mean, he looked he looked right out to the bullpen as he's walking up, and I thought, boy, that's what he's thinking, and that's the kind of thing that you know. It comes to you over a few years. You see other players do it, and it makes it, it rubs off on you. And and now, your hope that when he does that, that that's something that you know, Andy and 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 Henry will hear about and maybe eventually see <laughs> again in person and and think about when they're in that same kind of position two, three, four years down the line. Yeah, and I, I noticed, I can't remember if it was Brown or if it was Walk uh, during yesterday's game, was, was kind of praising Hedges for when uh, Rich Hill was, like, laboring a little bit because not only did you have the rain delay, but then he was up, you know, plus, you know, a lot of pitches again. And, you uh-huh. know, you can't use as many mound visits, but he, he, he gave him, like, you know, I'm going to go out and use one of these mound visits to give my man, like, you know, a good 20, 30 seconds to – to kind of gather himself and get it together and, and ended up, you know, didn't get the quality start, but didn't have a bad start either. Yeah. Well, I, I asked both those guys about that. I had actually a pretty good chat yesterday with Austin and, you know, I'm like, well, how do you approach, you know, uh, you know, pitchers are so different dude, and, and they react differently. And, you know, some guys you need to kick them in the butt a little bit. And some guys you've got to like, you know, rub their back and massage your shoulders a little bit. How do you know that? And he goes, well, you never, you know, it, it's, you have a general idea with, with different pitchers, what works for them in different ways. But a lot of times it just depends on the circumstances. And there'll be times with Rich, you know, when he's in full big mountain mode and, and the F-bombs are flying and he says, you don't need to light a fire under him then. You just need to maybe go out if, if you see something and, and, and just, you know, like he mentioned like the curveball was starting on the plate. So, when he would release it. So it, it would, it would have so much movement that, you know, it would end up in his mitt well off of the plate. So he says, you know, just a little thing like that, just tweak your, your release point a little bit for the curve and, or, or just, or even just to, you know, crack a little joke or something just to kind of like get a guy back into the game in, in a circumstance. Um, you know, just the value of having a guy that has worked with so many different kind of personalities and knows, when you need to stroke a guy's fire or when a guy's fire is already burning bright and, and you just need to kind of like readjust his focus. Yeah. And, um, and that veteran, that veteran leadership is, is definitely needed within this, you know, clubhouse. And it's, it's been great for the team and Rob, it's been, it's been great to talk to you again. I uh, like it's, these conversations could go an hour to two hours if, if I had the time and, and if you had the time, I mean, cause it just, the time flies by but anybody that doesn't, you have to go follow Rob uh, on Twitter, and he makes it easy for us. And it's just at Rob Beer Temple. Read all of his articles on the Athletic. Like I said, Rob, this was a great time. Can't wait to do it again sometime, brother. No problem, man. Anytime, give me a buzz.